Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Thrive NX podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Hampton Cradle, and today I am so pleased to have as my special guest someone who is really near and dear to my heart, someone who I've admired for years. I'm still in awe of what God is doing in her life. She's an absolutely phenomenal woman with an absolutely God-given uh, story that I know will bless you. It's my cousin, Jerry Hampton Massey. Hey, Jerry, welcome back to the Thrive NX podcast. Hey, Stephanie, I'm excited to be here as always. I'm excited to have you here because the last time we had something formal going on where we had a discussion was when you were the guest at the Live Your More retreat back in um, March of last year. And you came and you talked to the ladies and you blessed us back then. But since then, I mean, some awesome things have happened in your life. So a lot of things have happened since I talked to you last, and I would say that the world turned upside down in a really great way. Um, but I would also tell you that I'm a firm believer in being stretched and challenging yourself. But I think for me, a lot of my uh, challenges and dreams came true last year, and then some crazy things happened last year, um, and a few sad things happened last year. But all of it, you know, brought me to the place I'm at today. So I'm really excited to share some of that. That with you. I'm always in awe of your resilience, your focus, your determination to believe everything God has called you to be in the face of the challenges. So to this month, August, is um, Romance Awareness Month. Last August, I guess I could have talked to you a little bit about it last August, but you were fresh in the, you know, in the throes of a new romance. But when we did Live Your More, uh, Let's talk a little bit about where you were at that point, because at that point, you and I were talking about being in long term relationships that that didn't quite pan out. They were they were, you know, satisfying, but they weren't giving us what we wanted. And I think at that point, both of us had talked about the need to sometimes stop, you know, unproductive relationships and just even be willing to be alone because those relationships weren't taking us to where we want it to be. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, back at Live Your More, you had decided to end a five-year relationship, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's amazing because I had been in this five-year relationship, like you said, with somebody who was literally my best friend, you know, and um, felt like it was supposed to be, you know, moving in a certain way and and it wasn't. And and we really had to sit down and have a adult conversation, as I would say, about where we were as people. And the great thing is that he and I both are are realists and really um could look each other in the eye and we had multiple conversations about how we felt about where we were headed for the future. And for me, I always knew that being in a committed relationship was what I wanted and that I did want to get remarried at some point in my life if I was blessed with the right man and, and everything else. And so for me, it really was kind of taking stock of where I was. And Stephanie, honestly, for me, the things that kind of hit all at the same time, my father's health was failing. I was in the job of my life, making the most money I've ever made in my life with a great client and I was stressed and I wasn't happy and I was unsettled. And I think I talked to you about that and I couldn't name what the unsettled thing was. And I wanted love in my life, but I was also 
needing to work on myself first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to be right before we're inviting somebody else in. And for me, it really was a time of self-reflection and self-care and really asking myself some hard questions about relationships, what made me happy, what wasn't going to make me happy, and what I wanted to do with my life and how I might want to share it with somebody else in the future. There are a lot of our listeners out there who really do want to be in the type of relationship that sustains them. I don't know about you, but I've, you know, there's some dreams that I've had for relationships and I'm still waiting on those dreams to be manifest. And sometimes I think we are fearful that that's not going to happen. So we hang on to what we have because like you say, those relationships were not bad. They just did not make the mark, right? They just didn't give us everything we wanted. And so you made that decision. You came to live your more. You spoke to us. You encouraged us uh, to move forward with our lives. And then I, I think it was probably maybe a couple of months later, I was scrolling through my feed, looking at everybody on Facebook. One of those times when I had some time to catch up because I'm not constant in that. I get so busy that I don't look at Facebook every day. I'm looking at Facebook and everything. I'm scrolling through my feed and I see that you're engaged. And I'm thinking, wait a second, wait a second. It was just in March, right? Where you had decided I wasn't going to be in a relationship with anyone. And so I'm thinking, what in the world just happened to Jerry Hampson? What just happened? And so I think I picked up the phone. I called you. I said, hey, Jerry, what happened? I'm thinking, well, maybe that dude that you said, let me just stop this. He came to his senses and decided, you know, you are the woman, but that's not what happened, right? Right. Yeah. And really from a timeline perspective, I, I, just so everybody will kind of get the way the way it actually kind of played out. The the breakup for me happened in 2019 mm -hmm. and in summer of 2019. And from 2019 to that was through COVID period, my ex and I continued to be friends and to talk to each other and to do that kind of thing. It was more in the latter part of 2020, where I kind of said, you know what, I need some space. Okay. I need some space because while he will always be, like I said, one of my best friends in life, and it doesn't change the history that we had together, I couldn't get to my blessing. I really had to, I was really prayerful about why kind of I wasn't able to move forward. And I felt like while we had made the decision to break up and we were still friendly, I just felt like I needed to have some space for me. And it was hard. We had a, we had a, we had a conversation and I talked to him about, I love you. I always will love you, but I love me and I have to work on me. And I can't go do that with the distraction of this. And it's going to block any opportunity I'm ever going to have of love with someone else with this situation. He understood and we parted ways and everything that final time. And what was funny is that I had already met my now husband and things were, we were talking, but things hadn't like progressed to the point where like I knew we were going to get married, but he was somebody I was talking to and I knew I was very interested in him, but I needed to, to untether myself mm -hmm. from that previous relationship. And Stephanie, honestly, for me, 
I spent a lot of time in prayer. I spent a lot of time in meditation. And what I called it myself was manifesting my love. And I got tickled because in my phone, I still have these pictures. One of the exercises I did for myself was to find pictures of for me because I wanted to marry a black man and 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 I've dated interracially and all that, but I wanted to marry a black man. And I and I was like manifesting black love is what this album is called. And I went on the internet and I looked for pictures of happy black couples doing the things that I wanted to be doing with my future mate. So there was people cooking together. There were people on the beach together. There were people riding horses. There were people in prayer together. There were people in the bed on a Saturday watching movie together. There were people play fighting together, like the girl on the guy's back, like that kind of thing. And I did that because I wanted to be able to have those images of what I felt like I wanted to be doing different, what I wanted to be involved in with my mate. Then I had another friend who talked to me about a few exercises that I could do. So as I am spending time with myself, you know, working on getting me straight, she said, spend some time. And I, and I got my journal so that I could tell you the first time I started writing down. It was at the end of 2020 and I wrote, this is my love journal for my future husband. And it's a journal that's got a little heart on it. And this is the only stuff I wrote about in this journal was about my future husband. And it said, speak him into existence and be sure that you focus on the lessons that you learn from your past relationships. Like don't speed forward but make sure you write down the lessons that you learn from your previous relationships and dating. Use those as experiments and then put your energy into your soulmate. Look forward to meeting the future soulmate, develop a strong relationship, be committed. And she said, make a goal about what you want. She said, no matter what it is, make a goal. And at the time I laughed at myself when I wrote this down, but I'm going to read you what I wrote. So, so Jerry, you wrote that to yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're coaching yourself. Based into... on what you said. Yeah. Based on what my friend told me. Okay. Yeah. Based on so what your she friends, told me. Your, your friend told you these things. Yeah. She said, and she was kind of, yeah, I have two different people at two different times that were telling me about manifesting their love. And so I went back to go do the things that they talked to me about. And the thing that I wrote to myself that first day was, I'm looking forward to meeting my future mate in the spring. Develop a strong relationship by winter. We will be committed and engaged and we will be married by next spring, 2022. And I remember laughing because I said, who does that happen to that they meet somebody and it happens. But remember it was the end of 2020. So even in my story where all it was quick, it would have still been a year and some months before all of that happened. And I told my friend about it and I said, am I crazy? She said, no. She said, no. She said, I knew when I met my husband, she said, I knew it. She said the day I met him, she said, and I laughed and said, God, this is him, right? This is him. (laughs) She said, she knew it. And then what I proceeded to do over the next several months, I would spend time every few days writing in my journal. And being very specific about things that we would do together, what he was like, 
what my mate would treat me like. How did he think? How did he manifest his values and his beliefs? How did I feel about him? Did he make me feel secure? Did he make me feel seen? Did he make me feel heard? And I was very indulgent about some of those things. And then very descriptive, not just about his physical features, but also about his value set, his morals, his uh, how he was with his family, how he treated himself. Did he care for himself? How did he express himself? Those kind of things. I would write these stories about a day in our life. You know, what was a typical Saturday going to be like for us? I'm I would yeah. I mean, like really just just really putting it down on paper. And the other part that was very interesting for me was also so you've got the manifesting black love picture. So I've got the visual. I'm using my heart and mind to write out what I need and then also being able to just speak it over myself and being able to say this is what. I truly want and asking God for that. So Jared, if you don't mind, I know those things are pretty personal, I'm sure. But I think what I get from this is that by the time you wrote all of this stuff, then Marvin shows up. You Mm -hmm. already have met him, but you're not really dating him, but you knew you liked him. At some point, did he demonstrate these things that you had written down Mm -hmm. or were you writing these things not really focused towards him, but focused towards the man that you wanted to have in your life? I think when we talked, you had some very strong descriptions of this man. Would mm-hmm. you be willing to share those with us about what you what you wanted in your potential mate? As long as there's no judgment. Let me see. Let me see if I have stuff I can I can um I can share. Um It's funny that um, I had not connected with Marvin in that way. So these were things that I wrote about my future mate, about the things that I wanted. Things like, and I'll just kind of, I'm going to have to do it like in in little pieces. And let me mention this too, because I've forgotten about this until I just flipped through my journal. I also listened to this recording of The Man God Has For You on Audible. And it's Stephen, I'll send it to you because his last name is like L-A-B-O-S-S-I-E-R-A, Labarcier. And it said, wait on your Boaz is the other thing that he said, wait on your Boaz. But um, the man God has for you. And it was this whole audio about the things that we need to be. And so remind me to come back and and share share a couple notes I took from that because that was really helpful too for me. So the things that I was focusing on was I put considerations. I have to have a man that sees me, not for who I may project, but who I really am, that he sees through all of that and that he sees me. He needs to be supportive of my dreams, but he also needs to challenge me to grow. So I wanted somebody who wouldn't just say, oh, baby, you're the greatest. You know, I want somebody who was going to say, this was great, but hey, babe, I know you you want to work on these other things. Um, he speaks truth to me and over me. He speaks truth to me and over me. Um, I seek him out for deep emotional release. 
conversation and comfort. And so as my mom would say, he's somebody who's my soft place to land. He allows me space to be independent, but he knows when I need to snuggle up under him. And for all of us that are strong women, that's hard. That's hard for us to like lay it down and and be vulnerable. But I wanted a man and a husband that I could be vulnerable with and that that would work. He wants to know what I'm truly engaged in and what brings me joy. I feel like when COVID happened and I lost several good friends that I lost my joy. And part of this journey for me of self-reflection was finding what gave me joy and what made me happy. And so I wanted to have a mate that also brought me joy, but that understood it and wanted to be involved in that with me. I wanted a mate that was interested in working together to make our living. I wanted somebody who wanted to travel and that would enjoy us and our friends. And it was important to me to have somebody that was loving in their family and really held their family close because I hold mine close and I wanted to have somebody's like that. Now, here's the here's the physical stuff that was funny. He's taller than me, <laughs> has strong arms, a kind face with eyes that smile and that light up whenever he sees me. He's my true match. He'll be committed and he'll love all of me. So he'll love my good parts and my flaws. He'll care enough to be honest with me and to want our relationship and marriage to be held at the highest. And he'll have no boundaries. Now, this other part I can't read about because that's, you know, that's private stuff. But oh, you know, <laughs> does that help? Does so, it help? So, 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 yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, and I think, did you specifically talk about how you wanted him to appear? You said strong arms. Was that the only you know, the physical part that, you know, you wanted? Did you say, I want him to look like this? Did you have any financial or career? Nope. No financial, no career, because those things don't matter to me. I would rather have the right man for me than, you know, to put a label on it to say he had to come in a specific corporate seven-figure job, because that's not what I value at all. That didn't matter for me. But it was funny as I started to focus on all of these things, I started my same friend that put me on this path. She said, are you starting to see him yet? It's funny you said that. I said, because as I started to write these stories and really think about it and meditate and pray about it, I started seeing this man in my mind. And like I said, the eyes was where I started first. He had really kind eyes and I knew he was bald and I knew he had beard. I knew he had a facial facial beard mm -hmm. and that was like super clear. Now the rest of it, I didn't know for sure. And what was odd is what happened with Marvin. He and I were on a Facebook dating site together and I would see his pictures all the time. And I would see when he would answer posts and things like that. And Marvin is so not like any man I've ever dated, like complete opposite of everything I've ever dated. So I kept looking at him. And while I found him appealing and interested, I was like, so this is what I, this is terrible that I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you what I thought about. Like I would look at his pictures and he's handsome, you know, he's a really handsome man. And I was like, and he used to um, model back in the day and do stuff. So he's really nice looking. And I would look at him and go, he's so fair skinned. I'm, I, mm, I've never dated a light skinned guy. And I would like keep on looking at something else. And then I would come back. And I would look at him again and he would have answered something. And the way my husband um, responds to things, 
he's very clear about how he feels about things. He's introverted. He's a thinker. And so he thinks about things a lot and analyzes them. So when he says something, it's it's he's put a lot of thought into it. Right. But he goes like, bam, like he goes for the direct hit, what he says. And I love that. And I would read how he would respond to things sometimes. And I'm like, this brother is all right now, you know. So I kept looking at him for days and days and months and stuff. And I would like send little messages. And so finally, in February of last year, I took the leap and I something said, send him a message. And so I sat down and I went into his direct message, which I have never done. Going to somebody's DMs. That's not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that person. And I sent him a little message and I said, hi, this is Jerry. We're on the site together. And I just want to tell you, I find you intriguing. Mm-hmm. Wanted to say hello. And I did. And then I threw my phone across the room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and but immediately it went and I was like, oh, gosh, now what? And I looked at it and it was him. And he said, well, hi, that was in February. And it started texting conversation. He told me how introverted he was. And so at the end of the texting conversation, I was like, well, maybe we can talk sometime at the end of the week. And he said, I normally don't talk on the phone to people this fast. <laughs> and um, he said, but you took a you took a leap. I'll take one. And so we connected on the phone and we had a great conversation and we realized we knew tons of the same people. He and I are the same age, graduated the same year here in Charlotte locally. We never met in all that time. And we know tons of the same people. It's the craziest thing. But by March, we had gone out the first time. And the first time we met in person, we talked and we talked and we talked and we talked and we ended up sitting on the couch together, holding hands. And I felt like I had known this man for 10 years. Mm. And the first time I ever hugged him, when I met him in person, something inside me just said home. It said home. We've been together ever since. So Jerry, since you've been married, I've had the opportunity to meet Marvin. I could just tell you that the time that I met him was at at Uncle Wayne's, your your dad's homegoing services. And I saw how Marvin had come into the family, was so supportive of you, very kind, the kind of a gentleman, mm-hmm. a caretaker, making sure everybody was fine, but but unassuming. He didn't come in like a whirlwind. He came in his presence, was just a calming presence that said, you know you're in a place where you're protected. And I saw how he cared for you. And moreover, I saw how he really cared for your mom, Auntie Anna, how he was there, how he would stand up, how he was observant. So I felt like, wow, you know, God, you showed up and you brought this man in. It's almost like he was there for such a time as this when you were needing that person. And I'm sure uh, your dad had an opportunity to meet him as well and was just really grateful that there was somebody in your life and in Auntie Anna's life that would be there for you all. So Marvin shows up at the opportune time for you and your mom. Yeah, yeah, he did. And what what sealed it for me is um, he and I knew we were together in March and Marvin's ex-wife passed away March 7th. So by that time we had been talking and interested in each other. And I thought, oh, 
this is not going to happen because she was the mother of his children. And while they were divorced, they still were, they had been really good friends too. And and it was kind of one of those things where it's like, this is, this is probably not going to take off. But we stayed in touch. And while he was working through things with, with his family and with his girls, and, and we continued to talk and, and got more involved together. By April, we knew, you know, that we were going to be together. And by May, we had been talking about getting married, like already. We just hadn't said it out loud to anybody. We just, just between us, we had been talking about it and looking at rings and things like that. In June, we were going to go on vacation together to Miami. He had sent me to the jeweler to go look at rings. And I didn't think it was going to really happen anytime soon. I just thought he was planning or whatever. He picks out a ring and we randomly go by my parents' house to have a conversation. And your folks that participate in the podcast don't know, but my dad had Alzheimer's for 15 years. At this point, he didn't know me as his daughter. He just knew I was this kind of person that showed up. <laughs> but Marvin, it was important to him. He We go to my parents' house and he asked to speak to my mom. And so I went and let him do it. He was asking my mom mm-hmm. and to, to get my hand in marriage. And she said, why now? And he said, Jerry and I are in our 50s. And he said, I love her. I know she's the one. He said, I've been waiting for a wife. And he said, she's the wife. He said, what are we waiting for? And my mom said she could tell how genuine he was. She believed it. So they come into the room where daddy and I are. And my dad's sitting in the chair. And my mom sits down on the chair beside him. You know, and I'm looking at him. And Marvin kind of gets on his knees in front of daddy. And I'm like, he goes, come here, like that. And I was like, what? And he put his hands on top of my dad's hand and on top of we're stacking hands. And he looks at my dad and he said, Mr. Wayne, he said, I love her and I'm going to take care of her. My dad just kind of smiled. Then he gets down on one knee and he takes the ring out and I start to sweat like from the top. From the top of my head, like all the way. I'm like, what's happening? What's what? What's happening? I'm looking at mom and I'm looking at daddy. I'm looking at him. And he's like opening the ring box. And he's like, will you do me the honor of being my wife? And I'm like, like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> like what just happened? Because I'm so overcome with, and you know this, I'm going to try not to get to cry. Being a daddy's girl. And even though my dad didn't know me, Marvin already understood how important it was to me. Right. He got that. One of the things in my book, in my, in my writing. He gets me. He understood. He gets me. He mm-hmm. understands me. And it meant the world to me that my father was there for that important moment. And I got up and I went and walked the hallway in mama's house for a little bit and calmed myself down. And he said, babe, like that. And I said, oh, yes, yes. I was so thankful, you know, for that moment that we were able to share it. Just the four of us. Mm-hmm. The four of us. And my mom was just, you know, I said, mom, I can't believe that you said yes. And she said, now don't get married. Wait, wait six months, wait a year. Don't get married right away. And I said, mom, just trust me. Mm -hmm. I said, just trust me. It's going to be fine. And I've known it always that he was my mate and that he was my person from the very first time I met him. And so you were married. You all got married in August. So that was June. You're Mm -hmm. married in August. Got married. I went and met his children in July because we wanted to make sure, of course, Sydney had been around him and, and been with him and took to him very quickly. And we joked because she would call him new daddy. 
I noticed at the homegoing services that was new. That was new daddy. New daddy, right? New daddy. And um, so they're very close. And we got married August the seventh. And so it was from February talking, March meeting, and then June engagement and August wedding all last year. And in the midst of my father declining and then ultimately passing away in October. And he and he died the day before Marvin's birthday. Marvin, very he's very humble. And that's the word I guess I was going to give you a minute ago is he's extremely humble. And he um, st- stepped back, you know, to really be able to honor and give space for what was happening, you know, with my father and understanding that I needed to like be there and thankful and blessed that I was with daddy at the end. And even when it was time for the funeral home to pick daddy, you know, up, they weren't able to come right away. And when they came, Marvin helped wrap and get my dad transported out of the house. And it just seemed like the way it was supposed to be, you know, that he was there to be our man of the house. (laughs) And, And so since then, I've kind of followed your, your, your Facebook post and I've seen you all in Greece and I've seen you all on the beach. Uh, I I see you all at little events where you are uh, participating as a couple. Um, Mm -hmm. You all have been in costume sometimes at at certain events. I know that you've already planned several vacations this year. Mm -hmm. I and then you are in business together. You've got a business together. You you're you're actually started two or three boutiques. Marvin is a business-minded entrepreneurial type. And everything that looks like everything that you just shared with us earlier, it's it's manifesting. So that when you met Marvin, number one, you've been in prayer about him. Yes. You would, you would recognize him when he comes. And I'm so glad that you talked about that you and Marvin were in your 50s. Sydney is in college. You're retired. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's incentive and motivation for women who are, you know, in their fifties, yes, unmarried, who may be thinking it's over. This is not going to happen mm-hmm. for me. And or you're even resolved in your mind that you're okay mm-hmm. because of circumstances in your life. And I know for me, your story has been inspiring for me because I've had to go back in my life and say. Are you believing God for a mate? Or have you resolved yourself that your set of circumstances, you know, prevents you? So for me, you know, I'm I'm I've been divorced for over, you know, 26 years. My daughter will turn 30 in, in August. Mm-hmm. And I was divorced when she was not even two years old. So from that point on, I've not been that you know, anyone has chosen me, <laughs> you know. But I have to admit that I have not done what you've done. What you've done, mm-hmm. I've not, you know, focused on that, imagined that, and asked God specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people we ask God for, I want a godly man, but we haven't really put the work in to say, God, I, I want a man who's like this. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was sharing with you earlier before we started the podcast that I've been reading um, this this book, uh, Finding Me, by mm-hmm. Viola Davis. And she has that same story. She talks about that one of her friends talked to her about making a list and asking her if you, why don't you have anybody in your life? And he asked her, 
He says, when you go to bed at night, I want you to get down on your knees and ask God for exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. Give God your list, the frivolous stuff and the meaningful stuff. Mm -hmm. And she took his advice and she said she brainstormed a list. She told God the list. And she said, I want a big black man who was an ex-athlete, preferably a football player, because I love football players. I really want him to be black, but he doesn't have to be black. God, I mean, at the end of the day, I really, really want him to be black, God. And I love Southern men. I love country men. God, I want someone real country. And I don't want any pressure to have children. So I want him to have a wife before me and children already. So that's settled. I want someone who trusts in you and loves you, God, because he will be accountable to someone you, God. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole, whole lot more that she talks to God about. I feel Viola and a lot of other women who are fearful right now, mm -hmm. or they're just settled. And I think that's the last thing that God wants us to be is settled. I think uh, he, there's a verse in the Bible that says, you know, when God returns, he wants to find faith on the earth, mm -hmm. faith for what we really want and to stop really, um, you know, telling ourselves the lie that we don't want anyone. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that fear at some point says, I don't think I'm going to find what I need because I haven't found it so far. What would be your response to, to me and to women like me who would say, Jerry, I know, Jerry, I'm 63. What are the odds? that that will happen for me. I'm going to give you my Iron Man slogan. It's a slogan, the Iron Man slogan, anything is possible, right? Anything is possible. And I think the minute that we stop believing that is the minute you might as well just sit down, right? And shut down because there's no age requirement on love, right? There's nothing that says, there's no label that says this is only for people 18 to 45, right? That there's there's nothing. And to think about if you are someone that wants to grow old in a season with a partner, then do that. Then grab it, you know, make it, make it your opportunity. But the thing I would tell you, Steph, I was smiling on the inside, like listening to you say all that because I'm like, yep, that was me too, you know, listening to it, is the biggest step is as women, I think we have to heal mm -hmm. from what's happened, you know, and I started with like learning from my past experiences. And for me, I call it holding up the mirror. Right. And it's easy for us to say, well, he wasn't this and he didn't have that. And da, 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 da. But when's the last time you really did a scan of yourself and really took a hard look and said, what am I bringing to the table? And I don't mean just financially. I just mean, are you negative? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you somebody that's interesting to be around? <laughs> you know, what, what do you, what do you do? What do you like? Do you remember what you love to do? And why are you not doing that anymore? Are you traveling? Are you just sitting at home because you said, well, I'm not with anybody, so I can't go anywhere. That's not true. That's not true. That's a story that we make up. So heal yourself, find yourself, because if the right man comes along, and you haven't found yourself, guess what? It's not going to happen because you're not going to recognize him because you're in the right state, right? And I think the whole idea is to recognize him and to recognize ourselves. I started talking about, I think just listening to you, knowing you were coming onto, onto the podcast, I was asking myself, what have I decided based on what I feel is my current set of circumstances? 
And this is beyond just relationships. This is if you have a business idea, if you have a career goal, if you have, you know, goals for your children. Mm -hmm. And I often thought through the years, well, I'm this, I'm, I'm a single parent. I career, I have a career mm -hmm. financially. Uh, I need a prenup, <laughs> all of these things, you know? And I think that based on our circumstances, we have determined our capability. Mm -hmm. And so at this point in my life, I thought I am the caregiver for my mom. I live with my mom. Mm -hmm. How is it possible that there would be, you know, someone who could come into a situation like mine? And I started to say or ask myself, you know, that is not a God mindset. That's not an open mindset. Right. That is saying you don't feel like the Lord knows your situation and knows what you need for your given situation. And because you don't know what your future holds for you, you had no idea that in October mm -hmm. you would be in the situation with your father's, you know, declining health. You didn't know that in March, but right. God knew. Yep. And so I think that my encouragement for women, if you're listening out there, you know, give God your current set of circumstances. He's a God who can fix that. And so I have to tell myself, God, you know my current set of circumstances. You know everything about me. You mm -hmm. know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yep. You know um, the things about me that I have never told anybody, the stuff I want to hide from everybody. Mm -hmm. Bring me uh, a godly man, someone who loves you with all his heart, who's going to love all of me, including the parts I don't want anybody else to know. So being open to romance in this month of August is Romance Awareness Month, right? That you will learn to romance yourself first and then open yourself up to the fact that God wants you to have that mate that yes. is going to give you all of the romantic dreams that you've always had in your life. It is possible today. So I'm glad you said that, that anything, anything is possible. The thing that came up for me when you were talking just now was about being intentional and really being intentional about what you are looking for in your life in every way, right? To what you were saying, not just in love, but in so many ways, but then listening to what God says to you. Because I think sometimes we spend a lot of time talking and not getting still and being quiet and listening to what the answer is. And knowing that it may come in a completely different package than what you may have originally envisioned for yourself. Like I said, we laugh all the time about how I'm like, Marvin is this, this you know, incredibly wonderful man and he's exactly the right one for me. But if somebody had showed me a picture of him two years ago, I would have said, oh, no, yeah, that's not that's not and that's going to be my husband. I would never have said that. But when I met him, I immediately knew him and knew that he was and knew he was exactly the right one for me. So I just think being intentional and then also being in a listening mode, you know, for what God is going to answer for you. You did not put any physical requirements on the mate. You said, I want him to be taller than me, but that was about it physically. Everything else was heart and mm -hmm. spirit and soul. You mentioned your mom said, 
don't get married, wait. What does she think about Marvin now? Oh my gosh. She, she really loved him. The very first time she met him, she just enjoyed him. They hit it off. And I think her telling me to wait, you know, because I had been previously married and divorced and she just wanted to make sure that I was making a good decision, you know, mm -hmm. for my life and for, for my child's life. And when I came back to tell her we had set a date for our wedding, she looked at me and said, no. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, you have to trust me, mom. This is right. And now this is like they have a love fest going on. This <laughs> is her son-in-law. And she she's like, son, he'll call her and invite her over. He'll you know send her flowers if he wants to do stuff for her. And he just, you know, when there's been bad weather, he's he's going over there to check on her and, and and without me, you know, without like saying, hey, I'm gonna go take care of this for mom. I just hear it when she gives me the glowing report back, right? To tell me what wonderful thing he did for her. And, you know, they have a great relationship and she sees, and we'll tell people that, you know, that she sees it, you know, in us now that the love that we have and how coming together for us was such a, blessing and a really beautiful thing for both of us. And she sees it and we'll talk about it now. And he's been there for Sydney as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, the the day after my father passed away, Sydney's father passed away. Mm. And um, Marvin was with me in having to just tell her, you know, what had happened. And it was difficult to say, wow, your you know, beloved grandfather just passed and now I have to talk to you about your father. And um, he sat with me and helped me explain, you know, everything that had happened and um, was talking about what <clears throat> what Sydney needed, you know, as a person. What do you need? You know, what do you want? What can we do to help support? Um, and I think all of that helped Sydney to really process how heavy, you know, everything was that was happening and to really get clear about, you know, what she needed in that moment and in the weeks and months to come. And he's been there, you know, for her, for all of that. Jerry, what's it been like um, being married again? <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my really good friends had posted the other day about, he said, love is easy marriage is work. And I got so tickled and I, and I talked to Marvin about it. And it is so true. Like I told Marvin when we got married, I said, never stop dating me. Mm -hmm. Never stop dating me. And so we still, like we do things individually with our friends, of course, but he also, like he took me on a date the other day to go listen to live music outside because he knows I love that. And we had dinner outside and listened to the live music and then walked and got, you know, ice cream, you know, or whatever. And um, just having that time to be together. And Stephanie, I never thought I would be the person that really wanted to spend lots of time with whoever was my partner. But because it's Marvin, I do. Like, I love to go to work with him. And I'll go with him when he has um, cleanouts or estate sales that he's working, that kind of thing. I'll go with him. And I put on his company t-shirt and I'm there with him, you know, as his partner. And we work together and, and it is always amazing, you know, for us 
or if I need to go do things, he'll come with me to races. He's um, signed up and come and run with me. Um, even though he doesn't run on a regular basis, he'll come and show up and do that with me to be at the finish line. And it just, I'm enjoying, I'll say it this way, being married as a whole person, because mm -hmm. this time I get to bring my whole self, like you just said, my good parts, my bad parts. And um, he loves and accepts all of it. And he, and he calls me on my stuff when I need it. And I call him on his stuff when he needs it. So it works, but it's work. It's work. Especially sharing your space. How did you all decide to share your living space? Ah, um, he had been in a, um, a home for three, no, for 20 years, almost 20 years. I've been in my house for almost 20 years. And we decided we wanted to move into my house because it had the backyard and, and everything. And so we worked together to get his house in condition to put it on the market. And the hard part was he walked into the house and he said, are you going to be able to make room for me? Mm -hmm. Right. And that was a loaded statement. And I thought, yes, I already have in so many ways, but yes. And so together we worked on um, redecorating the space. So I was in the midst of painting already. And so we painted and we decorated together so that the house was reflective of both of us. And then from a just pure space perspective, we went through and figured out like how to move, you know, a lot of my things that probably needed to be, you know, processed or moved out anyway, and then making room for his. But it's it's been it's been um, funny at times, and just remembering that we live differently, you know. And uh, and I'm like the towels go here, and he goes okay. <laughs> the toilet paper look, the toilet paper should go on the roll this way, you know. Okay. Those kind of things that uh, we laugh about, but it, it is it's it's been interesting this last year almost just learning to have someone else in the house. But I also just love and value too that we are here and we're together, you know, and we're in this for the rest of our lives. So it is so amazing. Just I think you have probably broken down a lot of the barriers that you know we place around our heart because we don't know how it's going to work out. It just works out if the person is right. right. Uh, I love the fact that you all, where you had all of the pictures of um, things that you wanted, I think I've seen your pictures on <laughs> Facebook and yeah. they're those pictures that you talked mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. Now your pictures are the ones that I'm gonna probably pull some of your, your pictures for my black manifestation. Mm -hmm. um, um, things to meditate on. Mm -hmm. I, um, Jerry, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that, you know, you found, you know, what it is that um, you've been searching for that got, you knew God had for you. Uh, I, my last question is going to be a, a, probably a little strange because I think sometimes we give up on our dreams because the dreams are not manifested the way we really wanted them to. I'm a romantic, and so Romance Awareness Month is is really important for me. I, I, you know, I find romance, and I love the romantic movies. I love romance novels. I remember when I was married. <laughs> this is going to be sound crazy. When I was married, I used to keep a stack of Harlan Quinn wrote romance novels by my bed, <laughs> and I was reading like Harlan Quinn romances because I love that idea 
of romance, right? Mm-hmm. Boy meets girl, boy doesn't like girl, boy, you know, they they, mm-hmm. they live happily ever after. One of the most romantic things I have ever seen in my entire life happened when I was a little girl, about 12 years old. Mm-hmm. My grandparents had their 50th wedding anniversary. It was outside in the yard. They had linen tablecloths on the tables, gold, and, you know, it was beautiful. And as a little girl, I said to myself, I want to have a 50th wedding anniversary. Uh, this past year, June the 4th, I uh, was my was when I was married the first time. And I started asking myself, because that little girl had that dream of a 50th anniversary, that will never happen for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's just not going to happen. And I think sometimes we get caught up behind, you know, what we dreamed seems like it won't ever manifest that we decided to toss the entire dream. Mm-hmm. And um, I still go to my grandparents' house and I look at those gold plates. And I think I had a child's idea of what love was. Right. Um, a child's idea of what happily ever after looked like. And because that dream was shattered, so to speak, I have, I have not created a new one, um, a new normal for me, a new vision for what love looks like. And I think that's what I'm encouraging our readers to do is to create a new normal for what love looks like. Mm-hmm. How does that you know, equate to what you found with Marvin? Did you have some shattered dreams? And how have you and Marvin recreated what new looks like for the both of you? Yeah, I um, I think, and, and it's so interesting you say that because I do think our version of love and and you know because of course you know my parents and and they were you know happily married for fifty eight years, mm-hmm. and my brother and I both married and divorced, and so it's like it was almost like there was this bar that we felt like there was of this perfect marriage of what our parents had. And that we were, we had this picture, right, of being friends and, you know, everything wonderful. But what we found out later, and I talked about this at the funeral, that my parents didn't fight in front of us on purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And that they came home and they worked things out and they communicated and they were friends. Um, And my dad adored my mom, you know, and it, and, and my mother, my father as well. And you could see it. You know, you could just see it on them. And so I think my view was always thinking like that love was perfect all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and love isn't, it's messy and it's hard, you know, and um, you have to work at having a good relationship. It doesn't just happen, you know. Um, but you also have to be able to voice what you need and to tell somebody, but also you have to be quiet and listen sometimes, you know, to what the other person needs. And it's selfless in remembering, you know, that it's not just about you as a person. And so I would say for Marvin and I, it has been different because in our 50s, you have to think we have grown children, mm-hmm. both of us. We have, um, I'm retired. He's been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years. And so We've established ourselves. So we don't fight about money. We don't fight about kids, you know, like that kind of stuff. But we do have to be intentional about how we communicate to each other, 
how we show and our care for each other, how we support each other day to day, those kind of things. And so my view of what a, and I'm doing air quotes, like happily married couple look like has, has changed because I don't have this idea of perfection, but I do have this idea of perfect for us, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And when we were, I was thinking about um, coming to talk to you today, I was out when we were out listening to the live music, there was a song that the band played that I don't know if you're familiar with the song Thinking Out Loud by mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran, but there's a um, a verse of it that says, and I'm thinking about how people fall in love in mysterious ways. Maybe it's just the touch of a hand. And me, I fall in love with you every single day. And I just want to tell you that I am. And the last verse that I really like, it says, and we found love right where we are. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about it, is that you kind of have to find the love that is right for you. And it may be in a mysterious way, a strange way that you never, ever imagined, but it was possible. And you just find that love right where you are. It's not in a storybook. It's not in a romance novel, but it's your true romantic story right where you are. Jerry, I think that's a great place to end this conversation. Congratulations on your your new marriage. Congratulations on finding love. Congratulations on being an example for us to follow. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate your being here today, how much the Thrive and X podcast audience appreciates you, because I just know that there are going to be some great relationships in August. It is Romance Awareness Month. Let's start this month by really romancing ourselves, getting to know us, and then opening up our hearts again for what is the art of the possible for what God has for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And please give Marvin a great big Thrive NX hug for me for restoring our faith that <laughs> Boaz is out there and he may not come like we you know, envision him, but he's there and God has a wonderful opportunity for us as well. Any last minute tips for our audience before we close out today? I think you hit it. I think I would close with just love yourself first, love yourself first, love yourself first, and then be ready and be receptive and open to what God has to share with you and to be able to recognize your perfect mate when he shows up perfect for you. So go out there and find romance. (laughs) I am breathing deeply, releasing all of that anxiety about, well, what if, well, how, well, you know, how, how can this be? It's like Mary in the, when, when Gabriel shows up and says, hail, hail Mary, you know, you found favor with God. So open yourself up to this miracle of life that is coming through you. And she says, well, how can this be? Mm-hmm. You know, with God, all things are possible. Hey, Thrive X podcast audience, thank you so much for listening today. Thank you so much for embracing Jerry uh, Hampton Massey, having a new name, a new love, and a great life based on the fact that she's opened herself up to love. And hey, Jerry, we need that journal that you got. So I don't know if you carry that in your new boutique, but hey, we would, I know I would certainly like a copy of that journal with a little heart on the side. And I think my audience would too. Let's get together. Let's 
open ourselves up to love. Enjoy the month of August. We've got some great guests coming the rest of this month, but we started out with trying to open you up to the possibility that love is possible. I'll see you next week on the Thrive NX Podcast.